Welcome to Passion Fruits, a passion project for passionate people. I'm your pecan praline, Daniel. Nice job, Daniel. Well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> there and for all you all, for all you all out there in the audioverse, I am your Mineola man, Adam, your co-host of this wonderful podcast. Mike Mignola, the guy, the artist of Hellboy, mm. creator of Hellboy. Uh, no. <laughs> well, it's so nice to have you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Adam, season three. Here we are. Season Trace. How do you feel? It's amazing we got here, isn't it? Yeah, I what a okay. long... <laughs> oh, shit. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> are you okay? Don't worry about it, Daniel. Don't worry. Okay, yeah. sorry. We'll do our We're fine. personal We're fine. Uh, passion fruits wrap-up later. Well, Adam, season three uh, is upon us. What do we do on this podcast? Well, for the past two seasons, Daniel, we have you know, talk to a lot of interesting people, discussed amongst ourselves, uh, what takes someone from being a casual fan of something, you know, music bands, artists, books, movies, movie series, television series, exactly, careers. Um, and then we, <laughs> but we talked about what took them from being that casual fan to becoming a passionate fanatic. Right. So that's what we did for the last two seasons, Daniel. And our listeners will be happy to know we are continuing that trend for season three. <laughs> yeah. Not we changing up the anything, formula guys. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, and to, uh, kick, yeah. to kick off our season three opener, we are having a very special guest on to talk about a very special subject. He's a good friend of the podcast, good friend of mine, uh, called himself a uh, Wu-Tang Clan expert, knows every little detail of the band, <laughs> loves everything, will give us all the facts about Wu-Tang Clan. And here he is, uh, looking very haughty, about to introduce himself. I would not like to be on the podcast anymore. <laughs> you just said. Um, I don't blame you. So uh, th I, this is Granny Smith Apple Steve. Uh, did I do that right with the fruit? What about Kumquat? Um, uh, I, I made a last-minute executive decision to change it. but I know um, you're a big fan I, of Madden. You called an audible, am I right? That's the smartest thing you've ever said. Um, and so that's I, a low bar, Steve. <laughs> I wanted to say that uh, I wanted to let all the listeners know that I am not an expert uh, at all. I can offer to you is just uh, listening to their songs repeatedly and abundantly and frequently. Um, but I do not, uh, you know, there might be things that I say that are factually incorrect. There might stories that I make up that didn't actually, you know, didn't truly take place, but oh, it is coming from a place of enjoyment of the group. And I'm excited to share that with all of you today. Yes. So I, I'm pulling Steve's yanking his, uh, chain a little bit. Cause, uh, um, just giving him some shit cause we're old friends. Um, but yes, we, that should be a disclaimer for every single episode we do. We are certainly not experts on any of these topics unless we claim to be so. And, but we are here to talk about Steve, Steve's passion for the, the rap hip hop group, <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. So Steve, why, why don't we just like hop right into it? Do we want to talk about what Wu-Tang Clan is? What they, sure. what, what is Wu-Tang Clan? Yeah, so I will say that, you know, Dan remarked that we were old friends. And actually, I was thinking about this earlier today before I got on the, uh, the podcast. So we've known each other for two thirds of our lives, which is kind of over two thirds of our lives. Yes. Which is kind of crazy. So 
for those who don't know, we met in fifth grade. We were seated at the same lunch table, mm. and the rest is history. And so, um, rest, that's all. You, and now we're here. That's all you need. To know. <laughs> There's nothing else of note to mention. Twenty subsequent years. <laughs> See, Steve, I don't like bringing that up because I don't want people to know my age. I'm like a Hollywood star, gotta no, say. Th- so I think that it's you know it's funny because Dan, you probably remember me getting into Wu Tang Clan just as much as I did because we had extremely different musical tastes in high school. Correct. Um, yeah, you were big into metal. You took me to my first concert ever, which was Metallica. Yeah. Uh, big into the rock and roll scene, you know, you were, you played the guitar and all of that. And so for whatever reason, I kind of zigged when, when the rest of my friend group zagged and I oh, yeah. always, I was drawn to them um, pretty immediately. And I, I wish I could remember exactly like what the first song was that I heard mm. or what happened, but it was an immediate attraction. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll talk more about exactly why that was, but the thing that really jumped out to me was that they weren't like any other hip-hop group that I had ever heard before. Hmm. The epitome of of being unique. And part of that was their grittiness. Part of it was the fact they were a very large group. You know, there were nine members before um, Old Dirty Bastard died of a cocaine overdose, unfortunately. Um, But, you know, there just weren't a lot of people doing that. Like, back back then, um, and, you know, we're talking about, what, the early 2000s? They had already had their kind of... um, you know, they were all, had already been around for a while, but when I discovered them, it just felt like, wow, I've never heard something like this before. And that was really cool to me. Nice. Well, yes. Yeah, so for people who are not um, really aware of who or what Wu-Tang Clan is, uh, Wu-Tang Clan is an American hip hop group formed in Staten Island, New York City in 1992, originally composed of RZA, Giza, Old Dirty Bastard, Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface Killa, Inspector Deck, you God and Master Killa. Um, oh Not shit! All right, let me uh, let me let me redo that. Is wow. it GIF? Is it GIF or GIF? It's Jizza, like, like. See, you know. this is this is like kumquat. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we have the expert on to correct me when. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I say Giza rather than Jizza. Yes, ah, that was a test. <laughs> I tested everybody on this call. Uh, only Steve passed. I think Adam was um, Adam was not I know attention. who Jizza is. Thank you very much. <laughs> Adam is certainly uh, aware of what Jizz uh, is. Um, <laughs> anyway, exactly. so yes, Wu-Tang Clan. Uh RZA, Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Method Man, Raekwon, The Chef, Ghostface Killa, Inspector Deck, You God, and Master Killa. An important act in the East Coast hip-hop and hardcore hip-hop styles, Wu-Tang Clan are regarded as a highly influential group in hip-hop. Their debut album, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, released in 1993, is considered one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. But what is very interesting, and Steve kind of alluded to the fact and how they're kind of a large hip hop group um, is that they came out with this first album in 1993 and the original plan was for each member to then kind of spread out into their own solo careers, basically create a Wu-Tang empire and then come back collectively to record another album and then continue to do solo stuff, come back collectively continue to do solo stuff and stuff like that. So there's tons of Wu-Tang clan 
and Wu-Tang adjacent material out there, and we'll certainly get into it. But yes, Steve, let's talk about, since you are the honored guest, the expert on the podcast, let's talk about your love and passion for Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it's cool that you that you just read what you did because, um, you know, there there are two Wu-Tang Clan books that I've read. One was written by the RZA and it, and it mainly, it goes through a little bit of their history, but mainly tries to explain um, and provide context for some of like, for a few choice songs in the lyrics. And mm-hmm. the other one was a biography of, of the old Dirty Bastard. And it's funny because that original plan, um, and again, this probably should be fact-checked, but oh, I'm pretty sure that that is actually what the plan was, which is mm-hmm. that they were going to ha- release this album um, and then each of them signed to a different record label with the intent of kind of diversifying their musical influence, each, like each of the nine members getting subsequent affiliate groups and really kind of creating an empire. And I mean, you know, the way that he, that the RZA talked about it, it sounds like a pretty cool idea, but when, you know, and this is coming from someone who knows nothing about you know, the music industry or what, like what it means to sign to a label or what like the ramifications of that are. But it, you know, I read it again recently and it kind of just sounds like a 22 year old kid being like, we're going to fucking take over everything, man. (laughs) And like, you know, it like, I I get the sentiment and it's funny because in high school, I'm like, Oh, that's the coolest thing in the world. Like they were going to take over. (laughs) And now I'm like, well, like were they, I don't know if they actually were going to do that. Um, But it, but actually, that plan did get carried out to a degree in the sense that, again, this should be fact-checked, I'm pretty sure that the nine members each did sign to their own, to a completely different record label. And so Method Man did Jeff Jam, uh, Def Jam, which is why he became probably the, the most famous, I would say, mm. with maybe the exception of the RZA. Um, and, and they each had their, I think the Jizza was like cold chillin' labels or something like that. But they each did, in fact, sign to a different record label, which is cool that they had enough... I don't know, planning and wherewithal to like try to do that and carry out that plan. So that was a fun fact. Yeah, um, because, uh, and I'll, I'll add the fact check and it's from the Wikipedia article we're using as kind of references that RZA talks about it in an interview, how mm-hmm. Method Man, as you said, went to Def, Def Jam, Raekwon stayed with Loud Records, I guess. Ghostface Killer went with Sony, which is huge. Jizza went with Geffen Records and, you know, Rizza was, of course, producing a lot of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it's and then but then the entire group for Wu-Tang Clan was under the one label. So right. but then all these other members of Wu-Tang Clan would be on these solo albums and like provide almost like, quote unquote, Wu-Tang songs. Also... <laughs> Am I like the whitest fucking person <laughs> talking about Wu Tang Clan? <laughs> "Quote unquote Wu Tang songs." Am I right, my friends? <laughs> Guys, are you feeling me on this? <laughs> um, but yeah, like that. It's just it's a interesting and growing up and discovering my musical taste. We've certainly talked about it in some of our musical band episodes. I wasn't really plugged into Wu Tang Clan until later in life, um, so. It's interesting coming at it from a grown-up point of view versus Steve, you talking about kind of reading about it in high school and learning about it in high school and being like, "Yeah, take over the world." Like, maybe me and Daniel should start a rap group and we can take over the world. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Steve, let's get into. And Adam, do you have anything to say? Or are you just being Mister Quiet over there? I'm just being Mister Quiet over here. Perfect. 
Good. Me and Steve were talking. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Steve, let's get into kind of the Cocoa Corner, Passion Fruits uh, story time. When did you really get into Wu-Tang sure. Clan? What was kind of what drew you to them? Sure. So I, I really wish um, both for, you know, just my own memories and for this podcast that I could remember the first Wu-Tang Clan song I heard. I don't remember what it was. And so it wasn't a moment. It was more of an organic process. And I think, I mean, I do remember being in my parents' base, basement, downloading their songs on Napster, where oh, it would take, yeah. you know, like two hours for a song. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't wait to listen to this. This two better hours. be the best fucking thing ever. <laughs> yeah. and then hold, on. Hold, hold on, excuse me. Are you saying you acquired music illegally never yeah. i had the paid version as far as you know <laughs> you're, the, you're one of those pioneers who got napster paid version <laughs> and just like you, you know see, like seeing the songs like pause so actually so it, the thing is it very quickly dan um became like went from oh here's a song by a group i never heard to like a true obsession where i think that probably over the course of maybe my sophomore year of high school i had i bought every single wu-tang clan cd because gotcha. there was something about them that made me feel like I had not only never heard this before, but it just seemed very raw. And so I think there were a couple of things that initially attracted me to them. So one was um, the grittiness, because when we were in high school, this was like the era of TRL on MTV mm. and like, you know, like a lot of famous pop groups and pop stars. And it all like felt very fake. And like, if you look at their music videos, they're very gritty. Like they're often black and white. Mm. And it's um, a lot of it is like talking about, you know, like pretty unpleasant things. And I think we'll hear a lot of the songs that, that talk about these things. And it was a life that was so foreign to me. Mm. You know, I mean, like Dan, we grew up in a pretty affluent area, like in Northern Virginia and went to a private school. And so the things that they were talking about were, were things that like, not only had, had I never experienced, but I didn't even really knew existed at that mm. point in life. And so they were good storytellers. And it was interesting to like hear the stories that they had for something that seemed so foreign and then for them to do it in a way that seemed extremely genuine when for whatever reason i didn't really feel like there were a lot of musical groups that like provided that same that same quality of like true genuine like raw like this is what i fucking went through and like we're going to talk about it now so steve what else were you listening to around the same time Early question. Um, so, you know, I would say it took me, you know, I would say my musical tastes now are pretty diverse in terms of anything from like reggae to old school hip hop to Steely Dan or classic rock. But I think I was much more drawn to rap or hip hop, but it was a lot of it was like, mod, you know, at the time, moderns. So we're talking, uh, you know, early 2000s at this point. And so, I mean, I don't know who was famous back then. Like, you know, like T.I. DMX. Like, yeah. I mean... I remember you, and, you know, like DMX a lot. Yeah. And like, so it was things that like, you know, now I like, I'm not as into or into at all. Um, but I guess at also like, I hadn't really found what I liked Adam at that point where, mm -hmm. you know, there would be like a song here or a song there. I would say, you know, the Beastie Boys I liked, um, but like there were, this was the first group where I felt like I need to hear it all. Mm -hmm. And I never felt that with a group before. And so that was like, that was pretty cool to, like really kind of be all in quite quickly after first first hearing them. And so I sure. think those would be the main things that, that drew me to them. Well, and we've seen that with, and talking with our, and talking with our, and talking on our 
Foo Fighters episode for you, Adam, and then for the Metallica episodes for me, that's it's like once you find the band that's going to be your band or your group or whatever, the music that you want to listen to for like life, like it's kind of you dive right in. And Steve, you've talked about kind of becoming obsessive over Wu-Tang Clan. I mean, that's how I kind of got with Metallica. I think, Adam, that's how you kind of got with Foo Fighters. It's something that's like something, especially at a in a time in high school when you're, you're, you're most vulnerable and most angsty and but you're not uh, wrong though. like that's actually no, yeah. that's how i felt in high school yeah. oh yeah you're i mean it's like you're developing the most and yeah your body's going through changes and you're scared <laughs> of them and uh, you're just wondering wondering what that third thing is <laughs> and but no dan the thing is you're right like think about how different like i mean i mean i think it's cool that a lot of us like and, and, and you with metallica was the exact same way we're like we like the, these were our formative years and we've changed so much as people since mm. then, but they still, they, they persisted. Right. And like something about mm-hmm. that feels pretty cool that it's like, even at 18, like I knew that something about them was awesome. Yeah. And you know, at 32, I feel the same. And like, that's pretty, I don't know. That's it, cool. It, it feels nice to kind of be, uh, get that affirmation that like, yes, like I did listen to good music back in high school. Like <laughs> I, I was listening to Wu-Tang Clan and not like, um, you know, just the modern pop music of the day. And like, mm-hmm. who, who knows where those bands and groups are now, but, um, yeah, Daniel, no, I, I get it. Daniel, we, we, we see your Nickelback albums in the background oh, and, God. We call, no. and we call BS on you. So. <laughs> I have to yeah. put the vinyl up on the record <laughs> or up on the wall. I mean, come on. It's so cool. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think there's that. That's a good point. And I think, um, and Steve, I can't speak for you, but you know, some of the more formative bands that I really enjoyed back in middle and high school dictated how I consume music even to this day, like, you know, what, what my expectations are for a good album, what my expectations are for like yeah. artistry. And yeah. then, um, no, I, you know, Metallica, Foo Fighters, any of the other metal bands I listen to, any of the bluegrass bands I listen to. You Dave know, Matthews band. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's season three. I got to get that first Dave Matthews band joke in there. Oh boy. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it dictates a lot of how, um, or I'll switch tracks in the sense of I'm always, it, it's made me more curious about other types of music because I'm always looking for that next mm. um, ep, uh, kind of epiphany yeah. when you hear something totally. like, Oh, that's super cool. And like you, you, you hearken back to that feeling when you heard, first heard your first Wu-Tang song or your first, you know, Foo Fighter song or whatnot. So. Hell and yeah. I think, I think that's a really good point in the sense that like in a lot of ways, it's like a relationship, like mm-hmm. where like you kind of know what feels right and you know what to look for in the future based off your past relationships. Mm-hmm. And so like, it just makes it more, you know, like kind of more specific or more concrete in terms of like, oh, these are the things that are important to me. And yeah, like, I mean, you know, I feel like I have a relationship with Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Not in the way that I'd want to, but you know. <laughs> you call up Rizza every night. You're like, hey, Rizza, missed you today. Yeah. <laughs> but a relationship nonetheless. So. <laughs> um, well, now, cool. do S- huh? Steve, as you have, you know, with your relationship with Wu Tang, now, has it gone through ebbs and flows? Oh, like, do you, do you find yourself, you know, kind of maybe taking, you know, a few months off from really listening to it and coming back or, you know, for, 
Yeah. yeah. What, what does that look like as far as your progression throughout the last? No, that's, that's a great question. And so honestly, I've gotten mad at them a couple of times. <laughs> um, so I will, I'll tell you the main times that I've been upset with them. So one was seeing them live. They are awful live. I mean, oh, again, no. this is just my opinion, but like really, really bad. So when I mean, you... I've, I've seen them live. I've seen them live twice. One was the summer between high school and college. And the next was, I think, my junior year of college. And so they 2007 were just like, and 2010, around that time? Yep. Yeah. Yep, around that time. So one was at uh, the Virgin Mobile Festival. I think it was in Baltimore or like someplace in Maryland. Yeah. And the other one was in a, some club in Minneapolis. Um, and they were awful. I mean, so I think that, you know, like, first of all, two hours late, um, which, you know, I like promptness. <laughs> so that was I like me. promptness in my musical groups, okay? You're up on stage, like, tapping your foot. But and then, you're like, I'm going to call Riza's mother no. about this. <laughs> but the, the biggest problem was that they all sang all the verses. And one of the things I loved about them was how unique each of their voices sound and what the style was. And it was like this mishmash of them all just like yelling on stage together. And, you know, I don't know why they elected to do that, but it happened both times. And it ruined the thing that I liked the best about them, which is like, I want to, like, I, I grew to recognize their voices and knew mm. who was singing within like the first month or two of listening to them. Cause I was like, I would look up the lyrics and see who sang it and got to recognize their voice. And like hearing that live when they would all sing it kind of ruined it. And so um, well, that's, that and would that's... be one period, Adam, when I felt like I, they betrayed me. Um, that might be too little bit too harsh, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like the opposite of what, and we were talking about it at the top of like what Wu-Tang is all about, like the individual voices, like just the whole point of Wu-Tang was to have that group, but then to have do their own solo things and have those distinctive voices within the group. It's really interesting that you would have um, RZA and Method Man singing the Method Man verse and, yeah. yeah, interesting. Exactly. So that would be one of the ebbs and flows. And then the, again, you know, I forgave him pretty quickly. I'm a pretty forgiving guy. Um, <laughs> Did and... you send them a note that just said, <laughs> I forgive you? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you had like cut out like magazine letters. <laughs> like, but yeah. I forgive you. Yeah, then I had to be under police surveillance for a little while after <laughs> yeah. that. But, you know, it was okay. Um, so that would be one time, Adam. And then the second time, so I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of their new material. So I would say after the album, The W, which Dan, you can look that up for me when that came out. Again, it was probably, so, you know, I, yes, I started it with yes, them. Yes, I'll look it up for you. <laughs> I, like, so the thing is, they, they were already active by the time I started listening to them. And, you know, I know, so Enter the Wu-Tang was 93, Wu-Tang Forever was 97, and, and so by the time I started with them, they were already on their third or fourth album. And so after that, and in, this is including their solo albums, I feel like the quality really went down, mainly because one of the things that appealed to me was like just how gritty and raw their lyrics were. And, you know, I think this is actually a common thing for a lot of hip hop groups that when you make it and you're removed from like the like really awful like places and experiences that you had growing up, your lyrics change and your message changes. And that's okay. It just didn't appeal to me as much. Dude, that's like one thing that I think happens with, and not just hip hop groups, but any band is like, there's, and it, you know, there's a sophomore slump with bands and 
albums and their discography and stuff. But like the first one or two albums that a great band or great group can come out with, um, like those are songs that they've been, been performing and perfecting for years. And then like they make it big after the first album or after the second album. And like, either they've lost that drive because they've had those, like now they're touring. They don't have as much time to write music. Like that is a common thing. I think about with some, like there's some bands that have a great first album and then that's it. Like, yes. you know, yes. you, they can't get past that sophomore album. Um, they ran out of ideas and the, like, or they got so big that they don't have the drive anymore. Like, they're living in a, you know, 20 bedroom house. Like they don't need to get out of the small shitty apartment and can finally afford right. rent and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it happens right. so much to everybody. Yeah. I think it does. And, you know, again, like I'm not going to pretend to understand what exactly changes because I don't know. I think it probably is a combination of the things you've said. And I mean, that never really made me mad at them because so one of my favorite groups is Das FX. They have mm. one good album, in my opinion, just one, yeah. just their first one. And so I think anybody who can create even a, an amazing song, but especially an amazing album like that, like that's enough. Um, but I would say that in terms of my relationship with Wu-Tang Adam, to get back to your original question, there really haven't been ebbs and flows in the sense that like the first song that we're going to hear today, Bring the Ruckus, like I've been listening to that from age 16 to 32 like probably at least once a week. Mm -hmm. So like that's consistency and that's, you know, yeah. that's not changing. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a, uh, uh, it's interesting. You've got kind of that, that perspective and that experience with them. And that, and that's, you know, back to what Daniel was saying too, is, you know, I, I find it interesting that you, you didn't like them live. Cause I've, I've actually heard that about a number of, pretty maybe ethereal is not the right word but you know pretty uh, passionate hip-hop artists like I've, uh, i had a friend who went to see erica baidu she was three hours late to the stage but it literally it was because she was like i can't you know she has to get in her in her headspace and you know she doesn't come on stage until she's ready to deliver her art um I, I'll, I'll give it to metal bands as they're incredibly prompt and i do appreciate that as well <laughs> i'm like yes yeah like if they were if they were two hours late and put on an amazing show like yeah that'd be fucking great right. but you know like it wasn't i mean it's more i think it's more the fact that the lateness i can get over you know it's it's like it's the fact that the reason why i like them wasn't portrayed like wasn't it didn't manifest itself in their life yeah i, I i've seen um I haven't seen them live, but I've seen recordings of like Dead Prez and like Talib Kweli live, and they're they're not wonderful live. You know, they're uh, kind of kind of opposite to like the Roots came to our college while we were still there, and that was a, like a I like them better lot the Roots better live than I like them in their in their album version, which was a little totally. bit surprising to me. But anyways, so why don't we hop into kind of talking about the music from Wu-Tang Clan that Steve loves. Um, yeah. and maybe we can all I got a great selection. We can all sing the verses together so Steve really hates it. Okay. Um. <laughs> so uh, please, please don't do that. But I will, I want to say to both you guys, uh, Adam and Dan and the listeners, um, do one of two things. 
either yeah, watch the video while you hear the song or better yet look at the lyrics because like mm. that's i mean so as a quick like fun aside one of the things that i i don't want to say seriously but semi-seriously contemplated doing was i wanted to know why i liked them so much <laughs> and like why i felt like their lyrics were like better than others mm. and so i like looked into taking like an online linguistics class so like about like poetry to like see like do they have like a better like rhyming structure and like i wanted to be able to explain why right. i felt the way i did that ended up unfortunately going nowhere but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but i had the thought though <laughs> you, you, you know what i appreciate steve promptness and follow-through and you've only gotten one out of two let me tell you <laughs> Maybe this will be the kick in the butt, Steve, to um, <laughs> get that going. Yeah, yeah, that linguistic class has been called my name for a decade now. All you right. could, you could audit, you could audit a linguistics yeah, class. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's why we're having you on here, Steve, because that's that passion shining through, that passion mm -hmm. and that expertise. Wu Tang. <laughs> that's me. That's me, babe. Uh, that's what's on your resume. Cool. All right. Well, let's listen to a song. First song we're going to listen to is going to be Bring the Ruckus. And this is, and this, as an FYI, first song on their first album. And this is, this is my favorite. Nice. Shaolin shadow boxing and the Wu Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu Tang sword can defeat me? I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Go space, catch the blast of a hype burst. My clock burst, leaving a hearse. I did worse. I come rough, catch like an elephant tusk. Your head rough, fly like Egyptian musk. Oh shit, Wu-Tang clinch. So Steve, you said this was your favorite Wu-Tang Clan song. Can you talk about why? Are they going to hear my voice? <laughs> yes, that's the point. <laughs> but they should hear the song. We can't. We have to talk about the song at some point, otherwise Rizzo will come after us for copyright infringement. <laughs> He's a litigious guy. I, I've met him. I've read your letters to him. I mean, I'd rather... He keeps threatening on getting restraining orders. <laughs> I mean, can't... I'd rather okay. play like half the songs and listen oh, to the actual songs and then talk about them. I don't want to ruin the song, dude, with my words. Okay, we can't do that. But all right, here's more music for Steve's little ego. Just listen to the fucking song. I roll with groups of ghetto bastards with biscuits. Check it, my method on the microphone's banging. Wu Tang slang, I leave your headpiece hanging. Plus this, I'm kicking like Segal out with justice. The roughness, just the rudeness. Ruckus, rap rock, I verbally assault with the tongue. Murder one, my style shocks you not like a stun gun. I'm hectic, I'm wrecking with the quickness. Am I allowed to?
to now. Am I allowed to talk now, Steve? I mean, it's your show, dude. I know it is. <laughs> so shut the hell up. It's our show. Sorry, Adam. It's our show. Um, <laughs> so, Steve, we heard a little bit of Bring to Ruckus. What would you like to say about this song? You had me here under false pretenses. What the hell? What the hell is even this episode? I mean, you want me to talk over Wu-Tang Clan? How about you have me talk over a group that I don't like musically? Because then I wouldn't give a fuck. Okay. All right, so we'll play some Nickelback. My favorite band, apparently, according to Adam. Actually, our former guest, Jeff's favorite band. Right. I mean, um, it, listen, if this is how you have to do it, that's fine. Okay, I will say to the <laughs> listeners, please... Please listen to the song. Like, listen so, to the song. This is Bring to Ruckus off Wu-Tang Clan's first album, Enter the Wu-Tang, parentheses, 36 Chambers. <laughs> um, all right, I'm just right, going to pause this song. You're going to make me talk. I mean, you know, like... <laughs> okay, now you're not even talking over it. There's no music going on. I'm really upset right now. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. I'm really upset. I feel like you you didn't tell me what I was getting into. I told you to listen to one of our music episodes. I told you to listen to one of our music episodes to get a feel for it. And yeah, you said, well, I I've didn't listened do to the XCOM. I've listened to the XCOM episode. All right, Dad. Like, all right. So, oh, so oh, wait, wait, is XCOM about so, music? So here's so here's what I like about that song. <laughs> what I like about it is so it was cool. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure this is one of the songs that was in the Wu Tang Clan book written by Rizzo where he explains like what the recording was like. And so first of all, the, the first thing that I noticed is the, like the, the rhythm and the beat and the melody is very like grimy. Like it's not like a pleasant light. Like it makes you feel like, you know, there's like that, like that like symbol that keeps coming in and it feels, I don't know. It feels like very, like the word that I think of when I hear this beat is like sewer. Like this is like a mm. dirty, like just like grimy beat. And so actually what the way that it was recorded is um, when he, when RZA is yelling, when he recorded it, he actually yelled it, like would yell it into the mic and then they just turned it down. But he mm. was like, like, this is, I mean, and to, you know, again, this is kind of like my interpretation, but to think what it must've been like for like these nine dudes from Staten Island who didn't have a lot of ways to like make money and they make it enough to like finally record in a studio. And this is the first song. And they're just like fucking yelling their heads off and like putting it all in. And, you know, and so, um, I don't know. I thought that was cool. And then I really like Inspector Dex verse in it. Um, he's the one who said murderous material made by a madman. It's the Mike Wrecker Inspector Badman coming from the bad lands of the killer rap fanatic representing with a skill that's illa dare to compare, get pierced just like a ear. And like that, I don't know, like I, I really like that verse a lot. Um, so you would so... consider yourself like a casual Wu-Tang Clan fan. <laughs> 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 like yeah, passing acquaintance. <laughs> I've dabbled here and there. <laughs> um, so so yeah. Steve, Steve I, have a, I have a question. This is probably more general to Wu-Tang as opposed to just the song, but considering this is one of the first songs you'd listen to, and I, I don't mean to assume your your upbringing and background, but what 
what about this song spoke to you? Considering yeah. that I would assume you did not grow up in Staten Island no. and no, no, no. could not relate on a truly personal level to what they're not at all. Not, I mean, and the thing is, I think that's the beauty of art in any form, whether it's a movie or a book or a painting or a song, where it's like to to give you something that you would never get any other way. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, so Dan and I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, and went to a private school, and it was like a, it, you know, we grew up in you know. M- upper middle class suburbia. And so this is as far removed from how I was brought up as could possibly be. And what about it spoke to me? I mean, I guess a lot of it was that, you know, it's, I've never really thought about this actually. Um, I guess a lot of it was that I have a lot of respect for people who overcome hardships to quote unquote, like make it. And part of me feels like, like I you know, barely made it with all the things that I had like offered to me, like, you know, like SAT tutors and parents paying for college. Like I needed that to get where I was. Mm-hmm. And like these guys did it with fucking nothing. And like, I don't know, that's, that's pretty cool. And you yeah. wanted your parents to pay for you to go to Wu-Tang Clan Academy to become the next Wu-Tang Clan member. Yeah, and instead but... they just paid for college. <laughs> what a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, I think, I mean, Adam, to answer your question, I mean, you know, like, I don't know what your favorite movies are, but a lot of my favorite movies are be, are like seeing people and experiences that, like I can't really fathom and to make it like seem human and relatable is like a really powerful thing. And that's, that's sure. how I feel with them. It's like they talk about something and behave and act and, and rap in a way that makes me feel like this is actually what it was like for them. Like mm-hmm. this is truly, and you know, I think we're, uh, maybe like three or four songs from now we're going to hear cream. And like, that's, that's one where I think you have to, and Dan, I'd appreciate it if you just would fucking like do me this favor. All right. Jesus. Of not fucking talk during the goddamn song. <laughs> and just listen to it and uh, look at the lyrics because like, so actually um, I wrote uh, an essay in a high school English class on that song because I thought it was so powerful. Oh, shit. Um, and yeah, right. If that doesn't give you evidence of just how amazing this is. Why no, they- but I think like they, they do, they do what other people can't, which is that, like they bring you into their world. And I think that's really hard to do. In a God, if, if we could find that essay, Steve, I would pay good, a good $5 pay to a read solid it. Solid twofer. Yep. All right. Yeah, solid well, twofer. The essay um, is gone. Damn it. Well, talking about movies too, another huge kind of influence on Wu-Tang was classic Kung Fu films. Yeah. Hell yeah. You hear that? Like there are samples from there Kung is, Fu. Yeah, totally movies so all over I actually there. yeah so i have details on that so okay. what they used to do is so apparently i think it was it was so you know they didn't all grow up in staten island some mm. of them were in brooklyn and i think maybe a couple were in queens but it was mainly staten island and brooklyn and so one of the things they used to do was like there would be these like grimy like uh like b movie theaters where like there'd be like very little like they would show like pornos at night like not like you know your like i don't know amc or whatever whatever right finding email and so, bullshit like that and so they would, and so a lot of the time on like a random Saturday afternoon, they would just show these Kung Fu movies. And for whatever reason, I mean, I think that either, like either all nine of them or the vast majority of them were really attracted to these Kung Fu movies and loved mm-hmm. the stories and like loved the like 
different martial arts styles. And so you're going to hear a ton of samples like from those movies. And, you know, even their name, the Wu-Tang Clan, that's from an old Kung Fu movie. Um, And so, yeah, they were for whatever reason really into that. And it's cool also that like, you know, like African-American teenagers, like in Staten Island, like the vast majority of them were not into Kung Fu movies or and like put this in their music. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that attracted me to them is that like, they were so comfortable in their own skin and they're mm-hmm. like, this is cool. Like we're going to fucking make our name this like, and I, I don't know. It just seems like who else named themselves the Wu-Tang Clan? Right. Like, who yeah. else would do yeah. that? Right. And so well, like that, that's just cool to me. Well, and it, kind of connects to a another episode where we talked about Quentin Tarantino because RZA, the RZA, did the soundtrack and the score for um, Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill movies. Yeah, and has done, yeah, and has done, and of course Quentin Tarantino has been hugely influenced by those grindhouse theaters and movies and the B-movies that came out in the 70s and 80s. Um mm-hmm. And uh, Steve, have you watched going to more kung fu movies? Have you watched Riz's The Man with Iron Fist and The Man with Iron Fists Two? I watched the first. Okay, watch both; they're amazing. Um, but Man with Iron Fists is like that's a kung fu movie that Riz stars in and created and produced and did the music for. It's wonderful, um, and it's like the soundtrack is basically a Wu Tang Clan album. But yes, the kung fu influence is fucking everywhere and all their music um, yeah. and even with it's the solo so stuff. unique yeah it's like i mean like what other rap group like it's like yeah not only do we like this but we like it so much that we're gonna name ourselves this and have our like songs begin with weird fucking like samples from these kung fu movies. i mean i don't know like yeah it, it just they feel so genuine to me and like that probably more than any other word that i could describe like that's why i'm attracted to them it's like it's like they are just the most genuine group that like I've, I've heard and yeah. so unique. And like, I mean, I, I, I truly feel they are one of a kind. They really are. Well, let's continue the music playing and talking over songs um, <laughs> with, uh, do you want to listen to protect your neck next? Yeah. Steve? Yeah, that, that's, that's actually, yeah, let's do that because this is, so this was um, so on their first album um, when they, so then when they released it in 93, you know, they had like, I think actually it was on vinyl. And so they had, they, they had to pick two songs. Um, what were going to be the two songs that they released. This was number one and it was by far their most popular. And I think you'll actually hear a sample on the song from a radio in Staten Island of a caller calling yeah. in to say like, please play the song. The other one is the one we're going to hear after, which is Tears, which is an extremely different feel. And one that I think really like exemplifies how, emotional because it's about um one of the members little brothers getting shot and killed and then another one whose friend got hiv back before there were was treatment and died and so you're gonna see like protect your neck which is like in your face like we're gonna fucking come at you um and then a very like sad song after and these were the first two that they elected to pick and so i thought it was important that that we hear them well, it has one of the best verses on, or best, yeah, best verses on there by Method Man. So let's listen to Protect Your Neck, uh, believe it or not, by Wu Tang Clan. Yo, what's up, man? Cool it, man. Chillin', chillin'. Yo, you know I had to call. You know why, right? Why? Because, yo, I never, ever called and asked 
you to play something, right? Yeah. You know what I want to hear, right? What you want to hear? I want to hear that Wu Tang joint. Wu Tang again? Ah, uh, yeah, again and again. <laughs> his his part of the song where uh he coughs oh it's so good i favorite the lyrical blunt like uh, i mean and even just like it's like it's not i mean part, this is one of like this is a great example of like i don't know why i like them so much yeah. because like the line i'm hot like sauce like that's not like that's not a genius thing to say. But like, <laughs> the, the way that he says it, it's like, I don't know, like, yeah. like everything about it. And like, actually, this is one probably more than any of the other songs. Watch the video. The video is like this, like that exemplifies more than anything else. Like it's black and white. It's, gr- it's gritty. Like, I don't know. And they look, I don't know. I just think they look like pretty, pretty fucking cool. And also you can see how into it they're getting. Like, they love what they're doing. Like, they love making that video. Like, it's so apparent. Um, and so, yeah, this, that, this song is pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, Adam, do you have anything to say? Uh, it, I hate it. <laughs> Adam's, just, Adam's not even listening to us anymore. It's ter- I've had Lamb of God going in my ear yeah, right. the entire time. No, there, so this goes back to what you were saying earlier, Steve, about when to take like a linguistics class to look at the lyrics, you know, because I, as I look at, as I look and read through the lyrics, like there's a lot of, um, there, there's something catchy about the way they deliver. And there's a lot of like internal mid verse rhyme that, that Lynn, that's very pleasing to the ear for lack of a better <laughs> academic term. No, yeah. but like, I, 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 I truly have not appreciated that before in my life. And see, um, I don't even know what an internal midverse rhyme even means, but oh. whatever it is, I believe that that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, quick poll, Adam, it's, Steve. It's, it's, it's oh, something sorry, like, it's something that like um, that reminds me of listening to actually the Beastie Boys to a certain extent, like the way they they have kind of that call call and response, uh, but also uh, more modern artists like Lupe Fiasco has a very similar rhyme structure to to hit to his lyrics from from what I can tell. And the thing is, and like I want to know how you learned what you learned because I want to be able to say words like you just said. <laughs> well. 
Um, well, you won't be able to. So yeah, sorry, <laughs> Steve, luck. you won't be able to. Tough okay. break, pal. <laughs> um, wait, quick poll, uh, Adam, Steve, favorite Wu Tang Clan member? Go. Jizza. I like Method. I like Method Man. I have a couple of his albums. So. Method Man or RZA for me. All right, let's move on to Tears, the song that Steve was okay. talking about. Also, yeah. Before. So, so there's one line, Dan, that you better not talk over because it's really <laughs> powerful. And so I don't. It happens, I think, at the end of the second verse. So just you can oh talk God. as long as you want to, but just don't talk with like the last sixty seconds of the song. So much copyright infringement going on. This is really bad. It just, right. It's minimal. <laughs> minimal copyright infringement that's a great yeah. argument in court all right <laughs> all right so this is wu-tang clan's song tears off their album enter the wu-tang parentheses 36 chambers buddy why you sit fuck why you sitting give me your shit, shit nigga fuck i'm gonna blast you i'm gonna blast you man what Oh shit, yo! It's up the guard! It's up the guard! No, 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 I mean, like, that, like, I don't know, like. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's powerful to me. It is extremely powerful, especially, um, against the backdrop of what we just heard in Protect Your Neck with the kind of braggadocia of them being MCs yeah. and And this talking. is vulnerability, right? Right, like, yeah. And like, yeah, it's, and like. They don't you know, like most rap groups don't do that. Like when you think hip hop and rap, you don't think vulnerable. Right. Like, it's 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 when we were talking about kind of how do you define Wu Tang Clan um, for them to be a hardcore hip hop yeah, group. But then a song like this, and right. this is one of the first ones they wanted to portray. So uh, let's let's finish up the song because th this is a there's a pretty amazing line. All right, 
so that that's that's the line. Um, it's harder when you. I mean, I would advise the listeners to listen to the whole song straight through. But I mean, just like so the so so what what um I think I'm pretty sure that's Ghostface actually. So what Ghostface verse is about is his friend who ended up like he was like you know um like very promiscuous and would have sex with a lot of women and um in the verse uh, Ghostface advises him like you really like this girl you know has slept with a lot of guys you really should use a condom he says he put says, on a rain jacket and pr- uh practice safe sex yeah uh <laughs> i tell right. that to and, adam every single day <laughs> <laughs> it's good advice and, and you know the friend doesn't and and like to hear that and also like and the fact that like there's a lot of like cultural things in it like a man's gonna do what a man's gonna do like i mean i don't know like i mean i think you could write an like an essay on that song and like and the, for the last line to just to be he got caught with the HIV. Now no life to live. Doc says two more years. I guess after the laughter, like comes the tears. I mean, and just I, mean, I think the the thing that gets me the most about that is no life to live now. Mm. Like, because back then, like that was a death sentence, even if it wasn't going to kill you immediately. Mm-hmm. And no life to live. Doc says two more years. I mean, I don't know that that sh- that gives me chills every fucking time I listen to it. Well, and we're also listening to this song now in 2020 where we don't have the backdrop of the, the HIV panic of the 80s and 90s. And even just saying that um, no life to live being like a medical diagnosis, but like the fact that getting HIV back then meant like a complete shunning from totally. society. That's such a good like, point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there were like these horror stories of like, I mean, my attendings like in medical school who like mm. were there when it happened, like they didn't know if HIV was spread through contact. So like you couldn't even like your family couldn't even hug you when right. you were dying. Like this is... they just didn't know. And like, how crazy is that? Like, you're right. It, it's more than just the medical piece. Yeah, totally. This, this is like a completely opposite end of the spectrum. But we <laughs> we recently watched The Crown. Um where and they had they portrayed Princess Diana hugging someone in the hospital with HIV, that, and that was fucking like, huge. Like huge, I mean, that's, exactly, that's a yeah. famous thing. That was huge. oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know it's it's not like they didn't make it up for the crown, but yeah, huge. Like because you know there's so much, yeah, just nobody knew what was going on, and yeah, I mean like it's like said, the modern day equivalent of like you know like Obama getting the like coronavirus vaccine. It's like to show like this is okay, like this is I mean. Right. I think what she did more powerful, but still like, I mean, it's, yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, and, and it's cool that like they put this song on the album mm. and I mean, and you know, and that's, I think like, it brings up a larger message of why I like them, which is it, it really feels like they didn't make the album for us. They made the album for them. Right. And like, if we happen to like it, like, great, but like they made it for them. And I think that's, that's really cool and admirable. Do you like think they, they, they said what they wanted to say like that? And that was it. Do you think they continued to do that for their future albums? Like nothing think, like this. Gotcha. Nothing like, nothing like, you, I mean, so I, I would put, so most of the, the nine members, their mm. first albums, I would put just on par, like yeah. only built for Cuban links, liquid swords, ODB's return to the 36 chambers, Beth the man's to Cal. Like those like four albums are and just as raw and gritty and amazing and really perfect as this. Um, and, you know, even with their second album, which I, I really think is, is quite an amazing album, it doesn't feel like this. 
Right. Like it's good. It's really good. But like something about like something about each of their first albums, it's like they kind of gave their message and like, that doesn't, I don't want to minimize their future work because a lot of it is is good, but I don't know. I just had a different feeling listening to it. Totally. Adam, how are you doing? Lovely. Bad. <laughs> really terrible. Bad. Uh, I I'm really un- uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I wish you guys would stop talking about Wu Tang <laughs> um, This is not what I signed up for either. Yeah. I thought, I thought I we were going to talk about crocheting. We were th- talking about fucking model trains again. Um, all right. Well, let's keep on moving down Steve's playlist. Also, I should say, um, all listeners, this uh, playlist will be available on our episode description on Spotify, so you can listen don't along with us. Cream next, Dan. Um, don't play cream do, uh, next. Okay, so, so, so the thing is, so, all, so as you can see, the first one, two, three, four, five, so they all come from their first, the, the first album. Right. And so let's like, part of the reason why I pick some of these songs is to highlight individual members. And so um, let's do assassination day to highlight even though it's on Ghostface killer's album iron man yeah um it's in the middle then go up a little bit um it highlights inspector deck and so listen to his verse all right let's listen to assassination day off Ghostface killer's album iron man White lies and blackmail land me back in jail. I mean, like, I didn't really appreciate that. I mean, and now, like, more than ever, given like our right. social situation, like, and like, you know, I don't know. They're just like that's just the way that he says it, and the way, and, like, and the reason why it just feels so fucking powerful. Yeah. Totally. Um, oh, why don't we? Oh, actually, this is good too. Brizzes first. Play this. <sighs> Interchangeable, coarse, inflammable. My chamber is 99 plus one, unnameable. Angles and strangles. Microphone cord starts to dangle. Silent as the gases that pass throughout your anal. You creep through your doors. Seep out like sweat through the pores. Destroy your internal organs with the biological warfare. First of all, before we move on, this shit is like a Yukon dawn. Spread it out like great poop. Keep highlighting individual members of the Wu Tang Steve, is there another That was RZA. Um, and what yes. you just heard is uh, this is Raekwon right now who's rapping behind us. Um, right. And just like so, like one line, like spread it on like Grey Poupon. Like who yeah, the fuck like, is gonna talk about <laughs> Grey Poupon mustard in a rap song? Like who else ever has? Like I would love to know which rappers have have said the words Grey Poupon 
and a song. Can't be that many. That could be your line for a rap song, Steve. I would like to know. Who's ever used the words great poupon? And like it just like and I feel like that kind of stuff happens all the time with them. Where like they'll say words or like a certain a certain way where it's like, who else is gonna do that? And like I don't know. That's why that's why I like them. Yeah. I mean it goes it goes to kind of like I I saw a um interview with the RZA on the Colbert Report maybe when he was back doing the Colbert Report and it, I think like the Tao of Wu that book came out and so the RZA was doing the rounds um, but he talked about Old Dirty Bastard kind of in a similar way about how like Old Dirty Bastard could take just like nonsense of shimmy shimmy yaw shimmy yam shimmy mm. yay and turn it into like uh, like a, a movement like the RZA talked yeah. about how like it yeah. became like this movement of like, and you know, it's just, you could, you could toss it off as gibberish, but it's really like, um, a, a rallying cry in old dirty bastard song. Um, yeah. So I think RZA is one of like, so I think he's an extremely intelligent person and mm. one of the, like, and I actually, I loved reading his book because he made, he made me understand why I appreciate them for what they do. Like, and so one of the things like, so, you know, you asked me my favorite member and I said, Jizza. And one of the reasons why, which I didn't quite like, I didn't fully comprehend until I read Rizza's description mm. is that um, there was a line that was something that Rizza said about the Jizza that was like, and they're cousins by the way, but it was something yeah. like the Jizza could wrap the cat in the hat and make it sound menacing. Right. And I'm like, yeah, like that is. Yeah. And actually that would be that would be probably really a really good segue into one of his songs. So okay. what should we let's do fourth chamber. Alright. Choose the sword and you will join me. Like already, who fucking does this? Choose the ball and you join your mother in You don't understand my words, but you must choose. uncomfortable beats like this is uncomfortable a little bit at least like it doesn't fight feel quite like on rhyme like i don't know or, like on beats like it's it's not pleasant like that's okay. why i like it the only man a whole way for is the sky blue belly kid in 83 rock taylors remember x before tape decks my own phone sex watch out for haiti bitches i heard they throw heads Yo, who hope platoon is filled with raccoons? Corner sitting wine, niggas sipping apple bone. This ain't a white cartoon, cause I be ducking crazy space. The kid hold white shit like blacks rock ashy legs. Why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Why did Judas rat the Romans while Jesus slept? Stand up, you're out of luck like two dogs stuck. Iron Man be sipping rum at his family cups. Unflammable, Noriega, aiming nozzles. Stay windy in Chicago, spine tingle, mind boggles. Kangos and rainbow colors, promoters try to hold dough. Give me mine before. Wrap you up in so and so. I ran the dark ages. Constantine the Great, Henry the Eighth. Built with Genghis Khan, the red suede while he dunked. Hey, yo, camouflage chameleon. Ninja scaling your building. No time to grab the gun. They already got your wife and children. A hit was sent from the president to raise your residence because you had secret evidence and documents on how they raped the continents. And it's the prominent, dominant Islamic, Asiatic, Black Hebrew. All right. First of all, I think that the, the first thing 
is you hear the the kung fu like um, intro, and then and and the thing is, I mean, I don't know what your guys' experience was, but I have no fucking clue what that means. I mean, you know, choose the sword, you choose wisely, you choose your or you know, you choose the ball, you choose your mother in death. Like that's nonsense words. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's it's from a movie. And then I like I like how I mean. I felt I feel uncomfortable during that song, right. um, and like it's a very kind of odd like melody. Um, but I think that that highlights the fact that they're so willing to try unconventional and like I mean again like that's a song where it's like they made this like they're not trying to get fans with this song. It's like if you like it, great. If not, whatever. And so right. I I appreciate that. Yeah, totally. It's very lo-fi when, I mean, there was certainly hardcore gangster rap around that time, but, like, again, nobody kind of being vulnerable in that same space like um, Wu-Tang Clan. I mean, Tupac was kind of doing that kind of stuff, but he was also a little more slickly produced than uh, Wu-Tang Clan, certainly. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who probably I should get into more, um, but I agree I thought, with you. I thought you were the biggest fan, Steve. You have the juice. <laughs> Steve, question for you. Yeah, what's up, man? Um, and so, you know, what we've heard over the last few songs and, and you know, what, we've, what we hear in the uh, in kind of Wu-Tang songs and these subsequent songs from all the individual members is that they, they, they sample heavily from movies and a lot of the songs are introed and outroed with those samples. Now, I and I'll be I'll be pretty blunt about this. I'm I don't pay attention to lyrics nearly as much as other people do. Like it does, it takes me five or six listens to really li- to really get a lyric for whatever. Like my brain doesn't work that way. Like a beat or a rhythm, like I'll pick up immediately and I'll rec- recognize that. You know for years and years and years afterwards even if i've only heard it once or twice but do you know what the significance of those movie clips or movie samples and does that throw you off at all before they actually get into the song so it's funny because i'm i'm the same way and you would think like how could you be just a like you know melody beat whatever fan and like Wu-Tang Clan because that like I don't think there's a single Wu-Tang Clan fan who would say like oh yeah I'm drawn to them because of everything but the lyrics like (laughs) that they those don't they don't exist and so the significance of so frankly I think that my opinion of it has changed over time where initially I'm like okay they're doing some weird shit that I don't quite get and uh, like, whatever, like it's, I'm not, like, I don't need to hear them like play a two minute like Kung Fu movie <laughs> play from the beginning. Like, can you get to the fucking song already? Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't want to purport like, it's like, oh no, it has meaning because you know, that makes you seem like a tool. But at the same time, I mean, I think it, give, it gives you a window into either A, what the song is about or B, like, what their mindset was. Um, and so I think the, the one we li- just listened to is a perfect example of that where, so I, I, I never have looked up what that is from, what the movie is. I know nothing about it other than what we just heard. However, mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a father telling his son, 
you need to choose between the ball or the sword, choose wisely, or you will join your mother in death. No clue what the fuck that's about. But like, that's a pretty tough decision. You know, like, I mean, I don't know. And like for a baby, like, you know, how's a baby going to know what to do? And so I think that the way that I view it now is more that it's just, it's something that like is captivating enough and grabs your attention enough and is stimulating enough where you might want to hear like what the next thing is. Mm -hmm. And so would fourth chamber be as good without it? Like, frankly, like, I think so. Like, I think if it was just the song and they didn't have that intro, I would like the song just as much. But frankly, I'm at the point based off of like my, my feelings towards them where I really feel like, well, they know better than I do about like how to make a good song (laughs) or like what to do. And so if they put it in and I don't get it, that's probably my deficiency more than anything else. And so, yeah, like I wish I could give you a better answer, but part of me is just like, let me see what they think I should hear. And like, I just want to accept that. Yeah. It it appears that a lot looking at the liquid swords album kind of track listing and sample listing, there's a lot of dialogue excerpts from the film Shogun Assassin, which is where that sample in fourth chamber comes from. So, oh, okay. When was it made then? Oh, hold up. Hold up, dog. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Cause the thing is like, I, you know, I mean, for the past 20 years, I wanted to watch the movies that they watched. <laughs> And I never thought I'd, now you finally gave me the the energy I needed. (laughs) It's actually only 1980. I thought it would be a lot older, but yeah, 1980. Fuck, that's 40 Well, that's, so that's when they would, so these guys were born in like the mid to late 70s. Okay, so that's that's actually, wait. they must have watched it after the fact, yeah. They're like, they're like 10 years older than we are now. This is what, I guess Adam too, um, This is what we need to talk about because um, this is, in the film series Lone Wolf and Cub, which I don't know if you guys know, but it's a kung fu movie series that the Mandalorian, the Star Wars TV show, is heavily based on and pays so many homages to, basically just rips from uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. And this 1980 film, Shogun Assassin, is a Lone Wolf and Cub series movie where the samurai is a lone wolf but takes care of this young child and if you want to continue to equate it to mandalorian raises him but also grows as a man and grows to have feelings and stuff so yes um so yeah steve lone wolf and cub movie series cool i'm glad you said that i'm glad i invented the internet to help you find that Me too, dude. <laughs> so this is Method Man offer yeah, off of Wu Tang Clan's Enter the Wu Tang parentheses thirty six chambers. From the slums of Shaolin, Wu Tang Clan strikes again. The Rizza, the Jizza, old dirty bastard, inspector deck, Raekwon the chef, you guard, ghost face killer, and the Method Man. M E T H O D Man. M E T H O D Man. M E T H O D Man. Hey, you get off my ground. You don't know me and you don't know my staff. We'll be getting brown when they go a damn. Here I am. I am a method man, patty cake, patty cake, hey, the method man. No need skip, be jet for people pain. Peanut butter, cause I'm not butter. In fact, I snap back like a rubber band. I be Sam, Sam, I damn, and I don't eat green eggs and ham. Now the hit you, when 
got to talk over it. <laughs> so this highlights one of so my. So like, I mean, frankly, so so Dan, are you cutting out the the intro? A little bit, yeah. All right. So the intro is like it's pretty unpleasant, and like I guess you the listeners will only hear it if they want to hear it, but it's it has not aged ways well. Of torturing people. Well, I mean, so I don't think it aged. Like I don't think it was ever good. Mm. I mean, like it's fucking weird, right? Yeah. It's weird that like they would talk about various ways of torturing people in the beginning. And frankly, so that's one thing that I don't quite understand, especially because honestly, the song itself is kind of lighthearted. Like, right. I mean, like he like wraps green eggs and ham. He talks yeah. about different styles of peanut butter. And like, <laughs> and like, like, so it's a very weird contrast to go from that to like Dr. Seuss. And right. so, yeah, he starts with like, Hey, you get off my cloud. <laughs> it's like, uh, what? R- right after you sewing my asshole shut? Yeah. And like, <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, like, so this, I mean, I mean, I, I think I've said this probably like 15 times. Like, like, this is the reason why I like them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this really is though. This, okay. like, All right. Now I believe you. <laughs> but it's like, I don't understand why they talked about that. I don't understand why right. they did like the, like the weird torture stuff. And like, yeah, it's weird and unpleasant and uncomfortable, but like the song itself. And for, and I think there was, there was a, um, a, an interview with a RZA where he talked about like what this used to be like in like the Brooklyn and Staten Island clubs when Method Man would go and sing this song and, and like, and people would just lose their shit. Like he got, he was so enthusiastic and it's like, it's a fun upbeat song. Like despite what, like how weird the intro is. And so, I mean, like the way that I leave the song is the way that I leave probably my entire fandom of Wu-Tang Clan, which is like, I don't understand like what's, <laughs> what's happening, but, but I, I know that I like it. Like yeah. I know that I like it. And, you know it when you, you see know, it. Yeah. And it's <laughs> Good, good quote and it's cool uh it's cool it's like it's cool to figure it out it's like you know like after listening to them for the past 20 years of my life like i like them still and i still don't fully know why and like that's pretty cool that i can yeah. get to think about that kind of stuff um adam how did you feel about it yeah so i actually i've this is one of the reasons i really like method man because it's not not because of the first part of the song but because his lyrics are so out there and silly to a certain extent and it's it is kind silly. of a nice it is silly. Yeah. and yeah. that's that's where like you know you've got some really dark very as you positioned it steve like very gritty um songs that you know uh, you know like right before this and kind of anthems to why they're doing this um and then you have something like this so it gives a nice contrast to the rest of the album yeah. um and yeah like, i i you know i I'm in your boat. Like I haven't liked, uh, yeah, especially Method Man. It's like some of his later albums are pretty ho hum, um, but like yep. in this song where he literally, you know, quotes Mary Poppins. And- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How cool is that? How cool is that? Right? Like that's why I love it. And and that's like to get back to just like Wu Tang in general. Like I've always read them as kind of not maybe nerdy is not the right word, but like it's always that impression of they're these, you know, 
kids from Staten Island, essentially, who grew up in the ghetto, but they're nerdy at the same time. And that kind of, uh, I, I can see there is, there's a little bit of a connection there to why their appeal extends beyond perhaps your traditional hip hop crowd if and like will. frankly and like and, and i think that that's you know like the like the one thing that was cool going to them live was that it was so diverse the people who were there like i mean it was like everybody like i mean from like every race every walk of life and like they all for some reason were attracted to this group <laughs> and like how cool is that that like this group can like draw people from everywhere like yeah. i don't know that's that's yeah. pretty amazing. Well, and that's something tying it to the political landscape of today. That was something that was making the rounds when the president uh, presidential election was happening. Was like presidents are temporary. Wu Tang is forever. Like it's <laughs> so true. Yeah. That, like <laughs> I, I never heard that. Oh yeah, I never heard that. That's good. <laughs> it's like extremely true because I like, like that. <laughs> they're. They're like they're not extremely relevant today, but like the fact that RZA is still on movie soundtracks and producing movies and he's still respected. everywhere, yeah, he's definitely respected. Totally. Mm. Oh yeah, of course. Well, and like talking about the nerdy aspect of the Wu Tang Clan, like they're kind of it's almost like they're tied up also in comic books and the comic book scene, um, which of course was getting a huge boom in the early and mid nineties. I mean. Rizza did a soundtrack for the anime Afro Samurai, which is an amazing anime yeah, yep, that everybody should yep, yep. watch. Um, but yes, so continuing on. All right, let's listen to Diesel, which uh, appears to be off the... Um, I think it was a single. And like they put it on their like best of album, but it wasn't actually on one of their main albums. It appears to be a song created for the soundtrack Soul in the Hole, um, <laughs> which was a movie back in the 90s. Um, Thanks, from '97. So yeah, let's listen to Diesel. Um, that's awesome. That's and awesome. then we will kind of wrap up. <laughs> that's Man. so cool. Okay, all right, that's so cool. Fuck yeah. All right, Diesel from Wu Tang. Let's do it. I need help. I need help. The government is after me. I need help. Someone help me, please. Understand Someone help me. My children. They already did two pop in. Biggie Smalls, who or what? I love someone them. help me, someone help me please, ah, I'm a groupie for life, about nine wife, all the babies of mine save a child life, no more doctors delivering my babies, thinking pins killing me slowly, to the president to say I'm a welfare for you, motherfucking right, I sperm this dark house, why, insecure about my ding dong, married to Babylon, my queen looking at me like a pawn, slash the worst, rehearse a verse, flash dance on the universe, televise the work, network, shop so your neck hurt, what up dirt, so, first of all, um, insecure about my ding dong oh yeah <laughs> my yeah, queen we... looking at me like a pawn so how are you gonna one as a rapper say that you're insecure about your penis size and then make a chess <laughs> reference like right. okay i guarantee you no other rapper has ever or will ever do that in the like ever okay so we, that's yeah, fucking amazing in and of itself we that's really amazing. haven't talked about old dirty bastard in this i mean he's... i know and he's like one of the most huh. he's the only dead one he's the most captivating of them because like I mean, he's by far the most unique. And frankly, mm. I mean, one of the songs that I, I wish we'd have gotten to play it is Rawhide on, mm. on his album because it's, um, well, actually, oh no, uh, 
no, it might not be that one. It might be damage. So it's so there's one where um, on his on his first album he sings um, somewhere over the rainbow while a woman in the background is cursing at him for cheating on him. It's rawhide. And, you put it on the playlist. I, I yeah, listening so to that it's, song. It's like it's he, amazing. He could have amazing. Yeah. He could have it's done. Amazing. Actually, Dan, we have time. Can, when you, you want to do it? Sure. Yeah. So, like, all right. That, that, I mean, that verse more than anything else, that's a great way to end this. Like we can talk in the beginning, but when he starts singing, let's listen. Yeah. Well, and that's talking about old dirty bastard a little bit. I'll start playing rawhide and then we'll get to the singing part. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, he's talking about, um, I kind of read up, on Wu-Tang Clan while we were getting ready for this episode, but he was on welfare during like the recording and during the initial success of Wu-Tang Clan. And then like his welfare officer saw him at like the MTV awards and was like, dude, you have to get off welfare. (laughs) Like, um, and so that's what he's like referring to in his uh, song. Um, But yeah, the, again, it's, Are you sure this is it, Tim? I thought so. I don't think this is it, dude. I don't think this is it. Hold up, let me find it. I I, I think it's I think it's actually I think I think it's going down. God, oh no! Uh, I said I was an expert, but now I'm not. It's going, yeah. The one where he's saying, I'm pretty sure it's going down. Is the one where he's saying somewhere over oh, the there rainbow. Oh, there it is. All right. So the all right. So this is going down. Rawhide's yeah. great. Don't get me yeah, wrong. True. But that's about bastard. putting period blood in stew. Fuck. And you think you think that I'm not. Like, that's the line. No, I know. Oh. <laughs> I didn't make it. Oh, no, you're yeah. right. I'm sorry, yeah. Steve. This is it. So, first of all, who starts a song by going, uh, for like two minutes? It's, it's, and the fact that, like, any producer would be like, yes, like, you right. couldn't put that on the album. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Old Dirty, or excuse me, Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> How did anyone say this was okay? He has like such a stream of consciousness when he's rapping. I know. So the best song off of this album. The whole album is amazing. This is the best one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for him to just be like, yeah, yeah. let's do this. And it sucks. Like I actually, I um. When I took a uh, like when I had already gotten into med school, I seen the year of college. I like you know kind of checked out for, like the last semester and took yeah, bullshit classes. And one of the classes that I took was um like writing class because I knew yeah. like it was bullshit. And uh, I wrote my like final uh, speech I had to deliver on old dirty bastard. Nice. Um, yeah, nice. and like his death and stuff. Um, God, if we could get all of these, we would put them up on our blog, Steve. You would be our guest writer for the week. Yeah. Well, you'll never get them. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, all right, let me see if I can cut to the singing. No, no, no. Just let it go, dude. But you have to go soon. It's Dick. okay. Just, just, we will listen to the song and do the wrap up. It's fine. Show me, didn't know me. Oh, my advantage over my piece of slang. That I'm in 
set so you can never hang. Obviously, you don't behave now. Out of those stupid money, gone through your town. That's my motherfucking name. That's my motherfucking game. They said, I think I would have loved to have heard an actual album where he sang like that. I mean, like he was vibratoing the shit out of yeah, it. Yeah, like he doesn't have a bad voice. No, like, he doesn't. Like, no, yeah, seriously. He really doesn't. Like, yeah, he really doesn't. And just, I mean, the fact that, like, who thought of that? Like, I'm going to sing somewhere over the rainbow, but I want a woman <laughs> to, like, tell me what a piece of shit I am while I'm singing it. <laughs> right. like, I just, I, I would never have that thought. Right. I just would never have it. And the fact that he did, like, that's why he's, that's why he has the album and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Steve, we have certainly talked woo to you and to the listeners. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining us on this episode, talking Wu-Tang to us and to our listeners. Of course, the playlist that Steve created for us will be on our show description, uh, our show notes. So please listen to that playlist. I feel like we'll have to have Steve on again at some point just so we can get the full experience again. Um, Steve, do you have time to hang out with us to talk about recommendations? Um, yeah, our- of course I do. And it's funny, like I was talking with, uh, with Kaylee about, um, like, it's funny, like, you know, the, the first podcast that I thought I would be on, I didn't think was going to be for this. I thought it would be like some, you know, psychiatric neuromodulation <laughs> like little guest lecturer like let's talk about like new updates and treatments in the field and i and i have to say i'm glad that my first podcast was <laughs> well we'll uh, make sure that's your next episode we'll incorporate <laughs> wu-tang clan into that we, uh, we've set the bar impossibly high for any future <laughs> podcast exactly. ventures yeah. for sure yeah <laughs> i get it uh, but seriously, thank you, Steve, for talking Wu-Tang yeah. Clan to us. Um, Adam, let's hop into recommendations. Yep. So, Steve, of course, you know from being our number one fan that the recommendation <laughs> section, we talk about uh, things that we're really into that may or may not relate to the subject that we've been talking about. Adam, I know we talked about it recently because we talked outside the pod recently, but did you watch David Byrne's American Utopia on HBO? Not yet. Yeah, you <laughs> betch. Um, all right. Well, we've are we are caught up on the Mandalorian. Um, nice, and it is fucking amazing. Season two is amazing. All right. So, Steve, what would you like to recommend to us this week? Uh, besides Wu Tang Clan, I would say one of my favorite recent TV shows is the es- the Escape of Danamora, and it's older, but it's about a prison break in New York City based on a true story miniseries on uh, Amazon and it was really well done. Um, I would also like to recommend um, the group Suicide Boys. I recently got into them. They have a song called Paris. It's uh, pretty pretty cool. 
I also really, I, I went to an amazing restaurant in Boston called the Salty Girl, super fresh fish and like, like they specialize in like raw seafood and tinned fish, which seems fucking weird, delicious. Um, other than that, I recommend that you come see me. You have really bad depression. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, yeah, we'll- Steve, <laughs> quick. <laughs> give out Quick all question. your medical information steve so all your fucking colleagues please don't find please you. don't <laughs> no we never give out personal information on this fucking podcast it's too late they already know my patients already know that i love wu-tang clan so <laughs> that's all you talk you only that's talk the about first session like, listen, if them. wu-tang clan doesn't fix your depression then i don't know listen, what will i get how depressed you are but you need to hear this <laughs> look okay can you even imagine being old dirty bastard back then yeah you think you have it bad <laughs> Steve, quick quick question for you as far as recommendations go have you seen the hulu series wu-tang and american saga no i need i so i know it exists and frankly adam like there's one reason why i haven't watched it because i'm scared that it's going to be bad gotcha Mm. which frankly yeah no i haven't seen it i wasn't sure whether or not you you would recommend to watch it or not so So it's 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 on a note on my phone of things i need to watch and this is more about my personal deficiency than anything else where it's like i can't suffer through another letdown from them (laughs) oh god we haven't even gotten to that god steve we have to have you on for another episode we haven't even talked about letdown happens (laughs) obviously obviously you're very passionate about wu-tang but man um yeah, we'll have to have you on again to talk because we talk about it on our a lot of our episodes, how our passions have ebbed and flowed like we talked about earlier. Yeah. But we need yeah. specific examples, Steve, really break you down and b- build sure. you back up. No, I would love to be broken down over the course of the podcast. <laughs> over the course of a Zoom call, maybe <laughs> yeah. an hour and a half, two and hours. Listen, and if you ever need you know recommendations for you know the current best therapeutics for treatment resistant depression, like you know, Perfect. I'm here. Okay, thank God. <laughs> Um, Adam, what would you like to recommend this uh, week? I would recommend the podcast Knowledge Fight, which I just heard about like a week ago. And it's basically it's these two guys that go and like take the Mickey out of Alex Jones, like the crazy conspiracy theorist. They just like break him down and talk about how absurd everything he says is, which is incredibly uh, uh, satisfying to hear. <laughs> Nice <laughs> to hear someone like academically refute the crazy shit that Alex Jen says. So, right. So very nice. All right. My recommendation is to listen to the holiday special of comedy bang bang. It's another podcast. Um, Scott Aukerman has plenty of guests on there, including Santa Claus, a uh, pretzel inspector, um, and an elf named Ho-Ho played by Lauren Lapkus. Yeah, you really need to listen to that. And also, I know I recommended it another time, but it's another Scott Aukerman podcast with Sean Diston. It's We Have to Talk Talk. Yeah, We Have to Stop Talking TMNT on CBB. They are wrapping up their first season. I don't know if they'll ever do another episode, but please listen to that podcast. We Have to Stop Talking TMNT on CBB because it is fucking amazing. It is so good, especially the last episode. Uh, So please, please listen to that podcast. Um, All right. Thank you so much, Steve. We are, of course, on all social medias, Twitter, Passion Fruits P2, 
Instagram, Passion Fruits Podcast, Facebook, Passion Fruits Podcast. We have a blog at passionfruitspodcast.home.blog. Um, we are everywhere. We are on all podcatchers. Please, now that we are in season three, please let your family and friends know that we are continuing on, keeping up the good fight um, to bring amazing content to all your ears. And one day we'll just sew your ear, ear holes shut until we keep feeding your podcast and feeding your podcast. Um, again, thank you, Steve. Thank you so very much. Uh, guys, it was like a real honor. This is my first podcast experience. I really <laughs> appreciated sharing it with you. Dan, I've known you forever. I love you, man. Yes, and, love you too, buddy. Um, and uh, Adam, it was so nice to meet you. And so I would love to be on at any point in the future. Do you and, love him too? I can't quite <laughs> say that yet. But um, you know, maybe maybe off still, off recording. It's still new. <laughs> um, All right. And so uh, I would love to be back on in any future episode. And so uh, I'll be a listener for life. So. All right. Good night, everybody. Good Bye, night. guys. <laughs>